With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and I'm joined today by Brian Menendez. Brian, what's going on, man? Oh, nothing much, man. Just uh, on the other side of the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, getting ready for uh, the Christmas holiday. I'm sure you're doing the same. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while since you've been on. You, you, we, you talked about Blake Snell on the podcast earlier this year. I know you dropped on another episode, too, but... You're, we're on this Zoom call, and you're in uh, this this Twitch studio. So, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing on Twitch, and where, where people can find you online. Um, yeah, well, a couple months ago, I started doing a YouTube channel, um, Brian Talks Baseball, kind of like my Twitter handle. Um, I started re- realizing that I was probably spending five more times editing than I was recording video and <laughs> and, and uh, making material for it. Um, so I figured that starting a Twitch stream was kind of a better way to go. Um, my plan is to uh, Twitch. My plan is to stream about two days a week, um, as, as far as like kind of like a show, like talk, uh, like interactive live stream. And you know, maybe later on, I might you know stream myself playing games when uh, the new version of uh, Out of the Park Baseball comes out, when the new version of the show comes out, because it's actually going to come out on PC this year for the first time ever, yeah. which is really exciting because I game mostly on PC. Um, but yeah, uh, I didn't plan on plugging this, but yeah, if you, <laughs> if you want to follow my Twitch stream, it's uh Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash Brian talks baseball. Uh, yeah, that would be dope. That, that, that's really interesting what you said about, about out of the park. And before we dig into what we're going to talk about on today's episode, we're maybe throwing around the idea on the D Rays Bay podcast network of this off season, doing a, having some of our writers on and doing an all time raise draft where we try to you know, try to draft the the best raised team ever might be interesting. Maybe on Twitch is an avenue where we could take it to out of the park after these teams have been drafted and try to simulate either a mini season or a mini tournament on out of the park baseball. Maybe, maybe that'd be something that people would be interested in. I don't know, but just a fun idea. That would be fun. Brian, you are one of the the pitching experts at dracebay.com in, in, in my humble opinion. And the Rays I have, never get tired of hearing that. <laughs> the Rays have some work to do on their starting rotation going into next season. Now, they declined the more the decline the option of Charlie Morton and we we've, we've talked about that a lot on the podcast. But now they might have to add pieces. They've got a lot of young good young pitchers. We saw Josh Fleming, Brett Honeywell could be healthy this year. Uh, we saw Shane McClanahan in the postseason. But they're probably going to have to add whether that be from the free agent market or the trade market at some point this winter. And I, I think we have to start this discussion off. You wrote a piece for DRacebay.com about potentially bringing back Chris Archer and why he could be a free agent target for the Rays this winter. What what kind of brought that idea up and, and kind of give give the uh, the case for for bringing back Chris Archer? 
So it's it, it's a funny thing because you know during the off season, I think all of us are trying to whether it's myself, whether it's Darby, whether it's JT, Jim, uh, Ian, we're all trying to kind of put our raised front office caps on and trying to kind of think like them um, and thinking about the raised way and you know who are some players who the raise might go after that. Uh, other teams might not be looking at or, you know, guys who are candidates to bounce back, things like that. And to be honest with you, when I, when I took on the idea of writing about Chris Archer, it started off as like 80% troll and like 20% serious. Um, but as I started to kind of dig into the numbers and I started to, you know, understand, you know, what was going on with him because, you know, if you look at his pirates number in a vacuum, like it doesn't, it doesn't look good. Right. Um, but when I kind of started to, uh, dig in, I started to realize that, you know, like, I, you know, I wrote this in the piece, he was throwing the sinker way too much. The pirates were kind of notorious for that. Um, when they, when they first embraced the, the sinker, when they went on the playoff run, um, they had a lot of success. Um, the rest of the league caught up to them, but for some reason they decided that they still wanted to stick to that idea. Um, and we saw it first with the transition of Tyler Glasnow coming to the Rays, and then we saw it kind of destruct, you know, Chris Archer. So he was throwing this pitch that wasn't good. He was throwing it way too much. And then in midseason in 2019, he totally ditched it. Um, and he wasn't great, but he was a lot better. He kind of looked more like the Rays version of Chris Archer. And the thing with bringing in a guy like Chris Archer is yeah, I mean he's he's a guy that has for his career really underperformed his peripherals. But the thing is, you know, if he gives you 150 innings with league average run run uh, league average run prevention, that's okay. You know, we, it's not like the Rays really need uh, much better than that. If they brought him in on a one year deal, it's not like they would be depending on him to be, uh, you know, a number one or a number two starter. He would be the number three at best. Um, and you know, like I said, that's okay. So when I started to dig into the numbers, uh, it kind of flipped, it kind of became 80% serious, but still 20% troll just because I knew as soon as I submitted that article, I knew as soon as it got published that, um, I was going to get a, 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 a ton of, um, opposition for it. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the comments were actually surprisingly mild. I was kind of disappointed. Um, but yeah, there were definitely some people in the comments that were just, you know, uh, vehemently opposed to the idea of bringing back Chris Archer. Right. And you look at a guy like Chris Archer and you talk about the pushback you kind of saw in the comment section and on Twitter and elsewhere. If Chris Archer didn't used to pitch for the Rays and say his whole career had been with another team and then he was traded and then he was injured and then they, his option was declined. This is a pitcher that I think Rays fans would be clamoring for the front office to try to take a flyer on. A guy coming off an injury, a guy that you can get for relatively cheap and that he can slot into the middle or back end of your rotation. It's I think it's the fact that we know Chris Archer we've known Chris Archer for so long. We've seen some great outings from him in a Rays uniform. We've seen some not so great stretches of outings uh, from him in a Rays uniform. Do you think that's part of the reason why fans are some fans, I'll say, are maybe less excited about potentially bringing back Chris Archer? I, I think you nailed it. Um, if you look at Chris Archer, you know, in a vacuum, you, you know, you, you see a guy who, you know, the, the run prevention maybe isn't quite what you thought it would be. But if you look at his peripheral stats, like his fielding independent pitching, uh, his strikeout rate, 
um, those numbers tell a different story. So yeah, I mean, if, uh, if Chris Archer, uh, was not Chris Archer, he was just like, let's just call him, you know, pitcher a or whatever. Um, you would say that Chris Archer has rays written all over him. So yeah, I think you, I think you nailed it there. Yeah. You, you, you look back and I think every time I go back to his fan graphs page, I get a little more shocked at, at how good he was when he was at his best. Yeah, uh, totally. You look at probably his 2015 season where he finished with 5.1 wins above replacement, a 3.23 RA, and a 3.01 xFIP. Uh, the strikeouts were up, uh, not as high as they were in 2017, but walks were down. I mean, he was an ace pitcher at that point in time. I know we can debate on what the word or what the term ace pitcher actually means, but he was the best pitcher on the on those raised staffs. And he was really good. He was throwing over 200 innings. He eclipsed 200 innings in three straight seasons. I know that if the Rays bring him back in 2021, they're not going to expect 200 innings out of him. If you get to 150, right. I think that would be a, a success. Uh, whoever gets Chris Archer, if you can get him to 150 innings, and as long as they're uh, league average, maybe even a tad below league average in his first year back from, from these injuries, I think it's a success for whoever brings him in. And a guy that not, yeah, like I, like I said, the, the usage of the sinker and if the Rays can bring him back in house and kind of tinker with what he's been doing, that could be a really high upside signing. And, and that's, that's why I loved your article. So let's look at the rest of the, the free agent market though. You, you've got some other names out there. I don't think the Rays are going to be in the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes. I don't think the Rays are going to be trying to go and get a guy like Masahiro Tanaka but there's a lot of other interesting names and a lot of other guys that are maybe in a similar place that Chris Archer is, where they've had a lot of success in the past. Maybe they're getting older. Maybe they're starting to deal with injuries. And maybe with the pandemic, teams are less uh, likely to bring guys like this back. Now they're hitting the free agent market. You look at guys like James Paxton, Corey Kluber, Garrett Richards, Kevin Gosman, Jake Odorizzi. These are all really good pitchers. Do you see the Rays going after any of those other names that, that aren't maybe necessarily off the trash heap in the free agent market, but are serviceable guys that they could bring in on a one or two year deal? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just looking at the top 50 free agents, um, according to uh, MLB trade rumors and fan graphs, you know, we've already talked about Chris Archer, but the, the other three names I have um, that are kind of similar in that breath, uh, guys who could be had on a one year deal. Um, in that seven to $10 million range have good enough projections. I have James Paxton, uh, MLB trade rumors has him at 110. Fangraphs at 115. I think 115 is, is generous. Um, I think it's going to be closer to 10, 12. So that might be like the highest end that the Rays might be willing to go on a free agent pitcher. But yeah, but in th the thing about James Paxton, he's a little bit better than Critch Archer, but he's another guy who you look at as run prevention versus peripherals. Um, and his peripherals uh, are a little bit better than what he has done as far as run prevention in the past. Um, a guy like Garrett Richards, um, MLB Trade Rumors has uh, two years, $16 million for him as a prediction. Fangrass has him at one seven. Um, I think it's going to be more in the one eight to 10 range for him. There's a big injury concern there, clearly. But as far as like pure stuff and the ability to, you know, miss bats, um, I think he you know, he's, he's one of the, the top pitchers. I, I think that, that, that could be had at this price range. Corey Kluber is another really interesting one. He's probably going to be a little bit more on the higher end. Uh, MLB trade rumors has him at one twelve. Fangraphs one nine. I think for him to one ten to 12 is going to be more realistic. Steamer hasn't projected at almost three wins with it, which I think is really generous. 
um, just because he hasn't really pitched in the last two years. But the projections, you know, go a lot off past performance, which obviously Corey Kluber has that pedigree. You know, he had, you know, a streak where, you know, he was almost at a, at a Hall of Fame type peak. He was really that good. Yeah. Um, so those so those for me are the four guys really that are, you know, realistic that guys could take a flyer on. But you know what? You know, looking at these four guys, if I'm talking about upside and I'm talking about value and I'm talking about stuff, I still think Chris Archer's the guy. Like I like I don't again, I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, but it's reasonable to think that out of these four guys, Chris Archer has the best 2021 out of the four of them. I think that's totally reasonable. Uh, yeah, looking at the price point too. I think if you look at how good he could be yeah. relative to price point, where like you said, Kluber's probably going to have a higher market because he's got that pedigree. Even though in the last two years he's only thrown like thirty six innings, he only threw one inning in twenty twenty. Archer's a guy that's dealt with injuries too, but I think Kluber and Paxton will gen- generate a little bit more market. They'll probably get paid a little bit more, and so if you could get a guy in like Chris Archer at five, six, seven, eight million dollars, somewhere in that range or on, on a one-year deal, the upside is there. I think it, it, it plays. And if the stuff plays, he's a really, really good pitcher. So it, we don't know. The Rays might not even go into the free agent market. And if they're looking at some of these guys like Paxton, if he gets $15 million a year, they could have just brought Charlie Morton back at that price. And they obviously weren't willing to do that. He is getting a little bit older. If... Let's before we talk about potential trades, if the Rays kind of stick with who they've got and try to fill up these innings with in-house options, how comfortable are you with the with the pitching staff going into 2021 minus Charlie Morton, minus Yanni Chirinos, and probably without Brendan McKay for a good chunk of the year as well? Yeah, I, I think that the thing about the Rays is that they're always going to have the depth. The difference this year is that there's a really steep drop-off that we haven't seen before after the top two, right? Obviously we know that Snell and Glasnow are going to be, you know, great. I think each, I think it's reasonable to say that either one of them are a top 10 starter in the American league. Um, but after that, I mean, you're good with Ryan Yarbrough as the three or four. Um, the problem is if Snell or Glasnow go down, are you now comfortable with Yarbrough as a two? I don't know. Josh Fleming, I think the projections are a little high on him. Brett Honeywell, who hasn't pitched in a live baseball game for 10 years, it feels like. <laughs> um, you know, like you said, Brendan McKay um, is not going to, you know, start the season. Also, like, what is he? Like, what is his ceiling? The, the Rays also have, you know, guys like Trevor Richards, guys like, you know, Aaron Sleggers. We, we, we know what they are. We know that those are low ceiling, you know, guys who can eat up innings. So the, the depth is there. The reason why I think the Rays need to add, whether it's on the free agent market or whether it's on the trade market is because, like I said, that drop-off is so steep after Snell and Glasnow that I don't know if in a 100, assuming a 162-game season, that they can really piece together, you know, a lot of innings without having to do more bullpen games or without having to do more openers. And I know that's, that's a good strategy, you know, here and then and when it's needed against tough teams. But, you know, if it's, if they're doing it three out of five days, you know, that's when it could become potentially taxing and things like that. Yeah. I I've been saying since they declined the option and then really since he signed with the Atlanta Braves that I would be okay with them losing Charlie Morton. If Chirinos was healthy, Chirinos from what we've seen out of him, if, if you have him and Yarbrough as three and four, 
And then you piece together that fifth spot with innings from guys like Trevor Richards and Josh Fleming and maybe Brent Honeywell. Maybe Shane McClanahan develops as some sort of a bulk pitcher or a starter. I'd feel a lot more comfortable because everything we've seen out of Yanni Chirinos is really good for for a back end of the rotation guy. For a team, and we have to keep reiterating this, the, the goal for the Rays should not just be to be good. Like, they're going to be good no matter what. They could leave the roster alone, right. pick up two, you know, two catchers off the trash heap, and probably be in contention for a postseason spot, even if they go back to the 10-team the postseason. But the goals, the, the expectations should be raised. They were in the World Series last year. They were two games away from winning it, their first ever World Series. They had a seven-game uh, lead over the Yankees in the American League East. Like, the goal should be to win the American League East again and put yourself in a position to to compete for a World Series. I'll never say that it's World Series or bust. It's it's almost never like that in baseball, uh, but it's, it's definitely not that for the Rays. So the fact that they don't have Yanni Torinos or Brendan McKay for, let's say, most of 2021, and they, they don't have Charlie Morton, I do think they, they, they should go out and, and try to get a starting pitcher that, that has a big league pedigree that we know of. Because, yeah, Brett Honeywell could be great. Josh Fleming could put together 150 really solid innings. But we don't know that. And I think it would be a lot more comforting for fans and for people that cover the team to, to know that they've got some more big league, uh, the, the more known quantities on the pitching rota- in the pitching rotation. So go, any other free agents that, that really catch your eye b- before we, we get into potential trade pieces that the Rays could go after? Um, I mean, I- expanding on, you know, I, I only talked about guys that were in the top 50 of free agents. I mean, if, if we were to expand past that, I think a couple of guys who are mildly interesting to me are, are Brad Peacock is one of them, but he's also going through so, some shoulder surgery recovery. Um, Michael Waka is kind of interesting. He's a little bit on the younger side, He, but he's just another guy who just has great stuff, but can't seem to figure out how to miss bats. And Let's not forget too that um, even without Charlie Morton, you know, if the if the season were to start today, I'm looking at the Fangraphs depth charts projections right now. This is still projected to be the number eight starting staff in all of baseball. So, I mean, most teams would love to be the the number eight, (laughs) you know. But the thing is, you know, this is not this is not what we expect from the Rays. You know, I, I think, I think we expect them to kind of overperform their projections, but I think that we don't, we don't expect this team to come in with a number eight starting pitching projections. I think we expect them to be, you know, in the top five at least. So that's why I think they add, I don't, I don't know what route they're going to go. Um, because like you said, I mean, like it's not just losing Morton. It's also not having Torinos. It's also not starting season with McKay. Let's not forget Jalen Beeks is also undergoing surgery. Um, Andrew Kittredge, uh, had Tommy John surgery too. I know he was more of a reliever, but he also filled in a, in a multi-inning capacity. Sometimes there, de- there definitely is some spots to fill. And like I said, they have depth, but you know, like I said, there's that steep drop off. And a lot of that depth is a little bit, you know, it's not high end major league depth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ah, we talked about how they've they've cut salary. Charlie Morton, uh, we haven't mentioned Mike Zanino on today's podcast, but I wouldn't necessarily call that a salary dump. Hunter Renfro is DFA'd. I wouldn't consider that a salary dump either. But there are more opportunities for the Rays to to move on from players with guaranteed salaries. And the biggest example of that is a guy whose name has been mentioned in the media already this offseason, Blake Snell. 
Now, Blake Snell has three years left on his contract that he signed back a couple of years ago. He is owed, in over the last three years, $11 million in 2021, 13 in 2022, and $16.5 million in 2023. The fact that he has three very team-friendly years left on this contract was a little bit shocking to me that potentially he could be involved in trades. Now, you could say that any Rays player is open to be traded. But, Brian, what do you think about these Blake Snell... I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to even call them rumors, but, but what do you th- what do you think about it, and what would a Blake Snell trade look like? Oh man, there, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> I, I think first we need to make the distinction. At first, we need to, we need to make the distinction. Um, you know, open to offers and actively shopping are two different things. Yeah, I'm not sure if the Rays are openly shopping Blake Snell as much as, you know, they, you know, have the phone lines open. With that said, are the Rays going to trade Blake Snell? The short answer is yes, right? If we think about how the Rays operate, um, I think the last, you know, uh, really good player, and I'm probably going to get fact-checked on this or whatever, but the last good player in recent memory that the Rays let walk via free agency, I think was Alex Cobb. So yes, I think Blake Snell gets traded. I, is it going to be this off season? I would be very surprised. And a couple of the reasons why is because, you know, we, we mentioned the starting pitching depth. Yes, they have depth on the pitching staff, but like I said, there is that steep drop off after him in Glasnow. So if the Rays were to trade Glasnow, I think this off season, or sorry, if the Rays were to trade Snell this off season, um, they would theoretically have guys in place, whether already making moves on the free agent market, whether it's already making trades that can step in and fill his role. So, you know, looking at the Rays depth right now, I think, I think it's more likely he gets traded next off season. Yeah. Um, I would bet, I would bet more on that. And the reason why is because after this year, we're going to know what Brendan McKay is. We're going to know what Brent Honeywell is. We're going to know what Shane McClanahan and Shane Boz are, right? In my opinion, I think best case scenario, one of those two are starters. One of them is going to be a reliever. I think it's more likely that both of them are relievers. Um, but I think the race trading Blake Snell is really contingent on how these guys at the lower end of the depth chart um, really pan out. Because if Tyler Glasnow emerges as, as a Cy Young pitcher or Cy Young type pitcher, if Brent Honeywell proves that he's healthy and can be like a number three Brandon McKay uh, pitches the way we know he can. If McClanahan or boss come out and we know that one of them or both of them are a starter, um, then that really changes the complexion of the team. And I think at that point you can say, you know what, we can, uh, we can move on from Blake Snell. Um, but as far as this off season, I would be extremely surprised if a Blake Snell actually uh, a Blake Snell trade actually materialized. Yeah, it just seems it seems unlikely, and I don't know if if maybe those rumors came from like the Rays front office. And I think I said this to Danny, like maybe they were seeing what a haul would look like for Blake Snell, and if anyone would actually be interested in giving that up, because he is a Cy Young Award winning pitcher with three very team friendly years left. So if you're a contending team, to be able to add a pitcher like Blake Snell and you know, he hasn't been as good as he was in 2018. That'd be a lot to ask for anyone, but he's still been very good. I mean, we talked about how great his 2019 season was, even though the ERA wasn't there yeah. and some of the other numbers weren't there. Uh, and then in 2020, he pitched 50 really good innings, 324 ERA, 306 XFIP, 
11.34K per nine, uh, was generating a lot more ground balls and pitched really well. It pitched, had a really couple really good outings in the postseason too, including uh, the infamous game six of the World Series outing. So, yeah. yeah. The, the Rays would really have to just be blown away by an offer to trade him now. And I think that we can look at, you know, the trades of David Price and Chris Archer even um, as kind of frameworks for what a Blake Snell deal would look like. Um, what both of those deals had in common was the Rays got back, you know, a major league starting pitcher. They got back a major league position player and they got back, you know, a high end prospect in the lower minor. So I think that's what it would take with that said though, I don't know if there's a team that is willing to, I guess, pivot so hard to get Blake Snell, but also has the prospect capital to meet those needs right now. Um, and again, with everything we just talked about with the what the Rays uh, starting pitching death chart looks like right now, it, it's it's really hard for me to see a Blake Snell trade happening this offseason. Yep, I, I agree with you there, Brian. And we're going to take a look at maybe some other moves the Rays might look at on the trade market. But real quick, we're going to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, and we're back on Raise Your Voice. Brian Menendez and I chopping it up, trying to figure out what the Rays starting rotation is going to look like in 2021. And we went through a lot of the free agents, uh, including Chris Archer, our old friend. And now let's let's take a look at the trade market and maybe some ways that the Rays could add this way because with the depth and with the farm system, the Rays have trade capital. They can move some of these prospects or maybe even some of these proven big league players to add to their pitching rotation. Brian, what what are your thoughts on what the Rays could do via trade this winter? Yeah, I think it would be fun to see the Rays acquire a pitcher from another team who can kind of slot in between Glasnow, Glasnow and Yarbrough and be that bona fide number three, um, just so they can have that sort of top three that matches up against um, you know, other teams that have like really formidable top threes. When I look around the league and I see teams that have a lot of starting pitching depth um, that could use some of the position player depth that the Rays have, um, whether it be, you know, hitters or outfielders or middle infielders or players like that, a popular narrative that I've been hearing is, you know, the Rays have a lot of center fielders. Are they going to move Kevin Kiermeyer? right? Uh, they have Manuel Margot. They have... Uh, Brett Phillips, uh, you can argue that Randy Rosarena can play some center field. So is Kevin Kiermaier the odd man out? I think we might be looking at that wrong. Maybe Austin Meadows is the odd man out. Mm. Um, you know, he had a really good 2019, kind of scuffled in 2020. I know he, you know, he tested positive for COVID and missed some time, um, but really struggled in, in, in 2020. There's reason to think he can bounce back. But if you look at the defense, you know, is he a DH? If he's a DH, that kind of saps a lot of his value, right? So if I look at, you know, a team with a lot of starting pitching depth and a team that, you know, wants to take a chance on him as an outfielder or 
just needs some overall depth in the lineup. I look at a team like the Cleveland Indians. Um, so, and not to say that this could be a one for one deal, but could a starting framework be a guy like Austin Meadows for a guy like Tristan McKenzie, right? Who throws hard, who has really good stuff, uh, can tunnel his pitches well. He's going to strike out a ton of guys. Um, he's not going to go into the season as one of the Indians' top three starters. The Indians have a ton of depth, right? They have Bieber, Carrasco, Plesak, Saval, Cal Quantrill, who they got, uh, you know. So it's not like they're going to lose a ton of, you know, pitching uh, production. We know that they're open to trading starting pitching because they developed them so well. You know, just in the last year or two, we've seen them trade uh, Mike Clevenger. We saw them trade Trevor Bauer. So I think that could be a very interesting match. Um, because we know their outfield produ production in the last couple of years has been very, very below average. Um, so that's, that's my hot take. I think that that's something that, that could happen. Um, just because, you know, the, when the Rays brought in Margot and Phillips and even Renfro and a Rosarena, these guys were kind of by design, I, I think were supposed to take playing time away from Kevin Kiermeyer, and none of them did because he is that good in center field. And we know how the Rays value defense. Um, so I just, again, Kevin Kiermaier is another one. You know, are the Rays going to trade him at some point? Probably. But it, this offseason, it's it's really hard for me to, to to justify it. Again, unless they get an offer that just, you know, knocks their something. Yeah, uh, Austin Meadows, I've been pretty out in the open with saying that I'm selling Austin Meadows stock. And it's nothing against Austin Meadows. It's it's really that it's the defense, you know, every time he's in left or right field, I kind of cringe when the ball is hit towards him. I, I, I kind of get, you know, real tight. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to end. And going back to his 2019 season, amazing at the plate, in my opinion, a top 10 uh, raise single season from a position player ever offensively. And the bat, he dealt with a lot injuries, coronavirus a lot in 2020 the bat wasn't there when he came back and whether that was just not being able to get in the right groove which i think was the case for a lot of players not getting enough consistent plate appearances whatever it was never really turned on for him this year and i'm not necessarily worried that the bat's not going to get a lot closer to it what it was in 2019 but my fear is that for him to be valuable for the race and really valuable and not just a guy they have on the bench or a role player is that his bat's going to have to be as good as it was in 2019 for him to be that valuable. And if it drops off and if it's closer to 2020 than it was to 2019 moving forward, I really am not as much of a fan of him. The question is, like, what do other teams think about Austin Meadows? Do they not value defense as much as the Rays do? And would, in that case, Austin Meadows' value then goes up. Uh, that might be the case. And, and Darby and I, this is after recording a podcast a few weeks ago, we kind of had this back and forth and we were putting together a trade, a, a hypothetical trade that sent Austin Meadows to the Texas Rangers in exchange. There's, there was multiple pieces in this, but it was Austin Meadows. And I think Vidal Brujan going to Texas and multiple other pieces, but Lance Lynn ended up back with the Rays and maybe even Joey Gallo. I don't know. We were kind of playing around and, 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 you know, spitballing, but Lance Lynn, in terms of pitching uh, on the trade market, potentially on the trade market this offseason, he's probably at the top of that list. Maybe Blake Snell is if he is really on the trade market, but Lance Lynn, I think the Rangers would be a lot more eager to, to trade Lance Lynn. What would you think about, and I'm not saying it has to be Austin Meadows, but what would you think about the Rays maybe going out and, and, and trying to bring in 
a, a veteran pitcher that's been as good as Lance Lynn has been recently. Yeah, Lance Lynn has been really good. I, you know, that would be an interesting get. He's got one year left on his deal uh, with the Rangers. I think the return, like a return for that is a little bit different being that he only has one year. I think the Rangers are probably asking for a lot more than they're going to get. I, I think, I think Austin Meadows is a little too much <laughs> just because you're only getting one year of Lance Lynn in return. Um, but I think he is somebody who um, they should be looking at, you know, he only has, you know, $10 million on his final year. And if we look at all the guys we talked about, Paxson, Richards, Kluber, Archer, that's going to be around what those guys are going to cost. Um, yeah. And Lance Lynn is clearly better than all of them. Um, so that would be an interesting get. I would love to see him pull them, pull it off. Um, the only problem is that a lot of other teams probably want Lance Lynn. And that's the pitfall of going for a guy that everybody wants is that there's going to be a bit, a bidding war. But if it comes to prospect capital, the Rays can easily win that bidding war. It's just a matter of, do they want to do that? And I think that's the big question there. Yeah, and kind of another idea I'm kind of just thinking of on, on the fly. The, the biggest trade piece on the market right now is probably Francisco Lindor. And the Rays aren't going to go get Francisco Lindor. But say another team that does wish to acquire Francisco Lindor might not have the same prospect capital as, capital as the Rays, but they've got some big league pieces and maybe some big league pitching that they'd be willing to move on from. Maybe there's a three-team deal, a massive blockbuster three-team deal that the Rays can send some of their prospects to Cleveland in exchange to get whoever's acquiring Lindor pitching from that team. Uh, again, this is, this is not... I'm really just spitballing here. There's there's no credibility to these rumors. But, you know, the, the Rays, like, they have the best farm system in baseball and they were the best team in the American League this year. That doesn't happen. I don't know if that's ever happened in history. That does, definitely doesn't happen often. Uh, but may, could you see the Rays maybe including themselves in a in a big three team trade? Maybe it doesn't have to be Francisco Lindor; it could be anyone. Uh, well, we know that they're no stranger to three team deals. Yeah. Um, the David Price deal was a three team deal. I know before 2019, the actual deal is escaping me, but I know that there was a three team deal. Trey there. Turner in um, the so Will Myers trade. Yes. Well, yeah that that's that was another one too. Um, yeah, so they're no stranger to three-team deals. Uh, I mean, I I can't begin to pretend to know what a three-team deal would look like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's not outside of the the realm of possibilities for sure. So so interesting. What what could happen? And uh, I I don't know. I it's gonna be. I wouldn't necessarily call it a fun off season because my biggest fear when they let go of Morton would be that they would not be able to to replace him or even come close to replacing him either in free agency or via trade and that they would maybe try to rely a little bit too much on their in-house depth. And it might work out. Like we said, some of those guys have high upside, but it might also fail miserably. And Charlie Morton could go on to have uh, an amazing swan song in Atlanta with an already great Braves rotation. Um, but Brian, in terms of the starting rotation, if you had to make a prediction that the Rays, so let's say hypothetically, the Rays are going to add a veteran starting pitcher from somewhere this off season, who would you predict the the Rays getting? I think the most realistic veteran pitcher, if we're going to go free agent market, as far as somebody who fits that Rays build, um, I think I think Garrett Richards is probably the best match, the best fit. Um, 
I would love to see Chris Archer just so I can get a prediction right for once in my life and uh, just go into the comment section, my, my old piece and say, I told you so to everybody. <laughs> um, but I think realistically, I think Garrett Richards is a really good fit and I would love to see him be uh, the guy that they bring in. Yeah, I think that I think that's that's solid, and it's a guy that we've seen some really good baseball out of. You go back to his time with the Angels in 2014. He had a 4.3 win season, you know, 168 innings, a 2.61 ERA. 2015, he went over 200 innings. Uh, the wasn't as good, but still to be able to to eat up that many innings is I still value that in, in some way, and I think the Rays would too. Uh, man, now I got to th- think if I can come up with one. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say the Rays do get Lance Lynn. And the the I the Rays are almost always more keen to to tap into the trade market. And this year I think that's got to be more true than ever with the prospects that they have and some of the log jams they still have. They kept Joey Wendell past the non-tender deadline. They've got guys that are going to come up and probably replace Joey Wendell at some point. So then what do you do with Joey Wendell? They kept G-Man Choi and Nate Lowe. Those guys play the same position and kind of the same role. There's going to be trades the Rays are going to have to make to make this roster fit. They still have to add catching. Uh, and and uh, who knows, but I, Lance Lynn is a guy that they've got the pieces that can make it happen. It's one year left on the contract. It's not very expensive. And if they do really want to win again in 2021 and put them in position to compete for a World Series, Lance Lynn is a guy that... You know, yeah, you could maybe slot him in right after Tyler Glass now in terms of where he fits into that rotation, but he could end up having a better season than both Glass now and Blake Snell. We've seen him pitch. I, I haven't looked at his numbers recently, but his his numbers over, over the last few years have been nothing short of incredible. 6.8 wins above replacement in 2019 through 208 innings, 3.67 ERA, 3.85 XFIP in 2020 through 84 innings which I don't know like how he did that over 13 starts. That That's insane. And still pitched really well. 3-3-2 ERA. The Rangers kind of let him ride. And he's only 33 years old. So he's not over the hill quite yet. A lot of good baseball left in Lance Lynn. And, uh, yeah, that's my prediction. The Rays go out and get him uh, heading into 2021. So, Brian, before before we wrap this up tonight, uh, any other thoughts on, on the Rays offseason, how it's gone so far? If you want to throw out any hot takes about the moves they've already made, I know we've been talking a lot about the moves they could make moving forward. Yeah, um, I don't know if I can have a hotter take than that they're going to trade uh, Austin Meadows instead of Kevin Kiermaier. I think that's <laughs> the hottest take um, I could possibly have. Um, yeah, you mentioned the catching. I think a uh, fun fact right now, um, I'm looking at roster resource right now, and uh, the top catcher on the raised depth chart is Ronaldo Hernandez, who's never yeah. played above high A. Yeah. Um, so they definitely need to rebuild their entire catching core, whether that's, you know, bringing back Mike Zunino plus somebody else. I know uh, the D-Rays base slack seems to love Jason Castro. Um, I think that he would be a good get too. Uh, Kirk Casale was non-tendered. I think that he would, could be uh, an old friend that could be brought back. So there's one of a number of moves that they can make. Um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of, the Rays have a lot of players who are kind of the same guy. Uh, like you said, Nate Lau and G-Man Choi, um, you know, guys like Joey Wendell. Um, th- there's depth at almost every position. Um, so I think that there's a lot of moves that could be made. There's a lot of moves that I think are going to be made. Um, 
So yeah, I think there's definitely going to be, it's going to be a fun off season. I think there's going to be some moves that are head scratchers like the Charlie Morton one. Um, but one of the things I tried to illustrate in my Chris Archer piece is that if we look at the projections, if we look at the production in a vacuum, the gap between Charlie Morton and Chris Archer is not as big as people might think it is. Right. Um, you know, obviously you, we're not going to say, you know, Chris Archer is going to replace Charlie Morton. Obviously that would be absurd. Um, but if the difference between the two of them, and if we just say, the production of Paxton, Richards, Kluber, and Archer, if we'll just say that they're all within a half a win of each other, if the difference between any one of those guys and Charlie Morton is, let's say, one win, maybe two, um, I think that you're okay with, you know, moving on from Charlie Morton. Obviously, it's not ideal. You want to see a guy like Charlie Morton stay. But I think one of the things that happened there was that last, that 30-year option was kind of like a flex option based on playing time. I don't think the Rays envisioned the third year costing them $15 million. When, when they constructed that third year, I think realistically they probably thought it was going to be in the realm of eight to $10 million. And maybe they could stomach that or pallet that the fact that it got to $15 million so quickly. I think that's what, I think the Rays probably went into that having a number in their mind of saying, Hey, we're not going to go above this. If this is what the third year reaches. Um, and it got to that point, and that's and that's the decision that they made. I think they were active in the bidding, but at the end of the day, I think that they looked at the projections, they see what's available, they looked at what's internal, um, and they just maybe thought that for what they would pay for him and the gap between him and anybody else uh, just didn't justify it. So that's my theory. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, the I usually don't get upset when things like that happen because they happen a lot to the Rays. But the Charlie Morton one did did was more upsetting to me than I thought it would be. And but I still go back to this is what the Rays do, and they win, and that's really kind of what I value more than anything else. And as long as they show me that they can keep winning, uh, I'll I'll blindly follow them. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to keep doing until things get really sour for this bunch. But Brian. Thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, make sure to check out Brian's Brian's Twitch, everything he's been doing over there. A bunch of great stuff over at, at Brian Talks Baseball. And that's going to do it for, for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. If you want every episode from our podcast feed, download it directly to your device. Just make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc. cetera. Uh, the Hit Show just put out another great episode last night. They kind of did an instant reaction to the non-tender deadline. I say last night. It's going to be like half a week ago by the time this episode drops. Um, but also, as always, make sure to head on over to theraisebay.com to check out all of the great off-season coverage, including Brian's free agent target article about Chris Archer that we talked about on today's podcast. Thank you guys for listening once again. And I'll talk to you next week.